Greetings everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Analysis Pod. Uh, it's me, Pramod, hosting the episode for the first time, I guess. And with me is Tundu, who is, and that's, it's just the two of us, I guess, because all of our co-hosts have abandoned us at this hour. Uh, today's episode is episode 14. Episode 14 will be known as Vedic Science. So over the past few days, the Piyush Gwil, uh, uh, Piyush Gwil basically said that uh, Einstein did not need mathematics to discover gravity, at which point he was called out by a bunch of people on the internet stating that Einstein did, in fact, use mathematics to come up with the general theory of relativity, as well as the fact that it's usually Isaac Newton who is credited with the discovery of gravity, which then led to a certain true indology. Some people might be familiar with the name uh, to remark that it was actually not Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein who discovered gravity. It was, in fact, Brahmagupta. And then we have this uh, molecular biologist or some other kind of biologist, I'm not really sure, uh, but who's a rather famous personality on right-wing Twitter by the name of Anand Ranganathan, who decided to join in the entire debate or whatever and declared that, in fact, it was Brahmagupta who discovered gravity. Now, as many of our readers uh, view. Uh, listeners may or may not know uh, the reason why we ascribe uh, gravity, the discovery of gravity to uh, Sir Isaac Newton is because of the understanding that gravitational force in classical mechanics is a property of mass itself. And in general relativity, although it is a property of space-time, we, in general relativity, mass basically causes deformations of space-time and therefore it is again associated in a sense with mass. The reason uh, we don't credit, it's the same reason we don't credit Galileo with the discovery of gravity or we don't credit Torricelli with the discovery of gravity and that this is also why we don't credit Aryabhatta or uh, for instance this uh, Brahmagupta with the discovery of gravity. Furthermore, Mr. Ranganathan or Dr. Ranganathan quoted some person from Mistro, uh, who was some kind of director or something, I forgot his name, and I don't think it's important, uh, who also stated that Isro was basically using Aryabhatta's equations to send people, uh, to send probes to the moon. And basically this episode is essentially about something along these lines, that you have an established body of academic work, and here are these groups of Hindu nationalists, people who are sympathetic to the BJP, who are basically coming up with all sorts of crankery, all sorts of nonsense, and trying to say that, uh, you know, it's basically everything is kind of Indian, every discovery is an Indian discovery, uh, let's make Indian science great again. And therefore, we've also titled this episode, drawing from certain great scientists who have presented papers on this at the Indian Science Congress, Vedic Science. 
So I am going to butt in now because Pramod has had his say. Uh, to boil down a lot of what he has said, uh, it it isn't Newton who was the first to observe that things which go up fall down. Uh, however, it it is the specific idea that mass attracts mass which was original to Newton. So. Right. Uh, but there is a larger point we want to make through this episode, which is that a lot of this cynical dick waving, which the right wing, the Indian right wing specifically does with science, it is not just something that is bad politics, it is bad for science as well. Because when they do this thing, A, it's hilarious because it's often so shoddily done, right? But it also detracts from actual contributions which uh, scientists in India in the past have done. And right. uh, also, it, it completely erases the fact that science does not happen by national boundaries per se. Like, there is no Indian science or American science or Western science or, or to bring back a historical joke, there is no... Deutsch physics. Now, if you would know, the Nazis in Nazi Germany had a similar project, which thankfully did not take off, which was called Deutsch physics, which was this whole idea Deutsch. that Deutsch, Deutsch physics. Yes, yeah, sorry for getting the pronunciation all wrong. I don't speak German. Um, but uh, the idea they had was that uh, German nationalism has produced better science or something. And, and of course, this was as ridiculous as, I, as an idea as the idea that there is something like Indian science. There isn't. Science is science. And uh, various people often had a parallel evolution of various scientific methods in the past. Even things which are generally considered settled are often not settled in the same cultural manner we think of it. Like, there's an extremely good book by uh, Meera Nanda, which I would suggest people to read, uh, which is very provocatively called Science in Saffron, which critiques this right-wing lens on science and uh, fairly, fairly basic things like, you know, there is this idea that Indians discovered zero, which is a very uh, misarticulated statement. It would be way more uh, accurate to call it the place value system or something because the idea of uh, something being nothing was common across various cultures and even uh, kinds of the place value system is not unique to India, right? So, uh, but the thing is, it often becomes a matter of quote-unquote national pride that we discovered zero or we discovered the theorem which was later called Pythagoras theorem. But it wasn't just India or like the Sulva Sutras which... Uh, had that particular equation. Other cultures across the world also had that. There was... Actually, for instance, uh, most of the Indian mathematical tracks actually post-date Pythagoras for, for starters. Uh, uh, but uh, coming back to the point, mm, there is obviously what is going on is a kind of territorialization of India and India's past, which is a theme that we see recurring across um, the study of history personally, and I mean, like, rather the right-wing perception. And in the right-wing perception of history, we see that there's this attempt to essentially territorialize much, and then within this territory that they've imagined, contiguous boundaries of India, 
they attempt to locate uh, various uh, discoveries, achievements, etc. For and in in a sense, they're trying to attribute things that were not discovered con- in India or in their idea of India, or concepts that were not uh, that were not common in these uh, this part of the world to people from this part of the world at that time frame. Um, so, for instance, a lot of Enlightenment Enlightenment era discoveries in Western Europe now get attributed to um, ancient India. Then there is obviously an element of ethnic chauvinism in, involved in this. For instance, uh, there was, I mean, like, it's all, most people would know about this, that, you know, there is this common description that when uh, Europeans were still monkeys on trees, Indians were building great civilization, etc., etc. A lot of this comes from the entire post-colonial anxiety that the Indian public has regarding their own history. And... In a sense, uh, there is also this attempt to prove that uh, this idea of Indian civilization that they have was in many ways more advanced to Western civilization even during the Enlightenment in the, in, in the realms of science and technology. Which is why uh, it mostly you know, you'll see this in the form of WhatsApp forwards, but you'll also see this disturbingly certain uh, paper presentations in the Indian Science Congress. For instance, trying to establish the existence of uh, Pushpak Vimanas, which are essentially flying chariots in ancient India. And these are like, the Indian Science Congress is a rather serious event. It is supposed to be the premier event of the Indian scientific community meant to showcase uh, works by eminent Indian scientists. And in these science congresses, you start, for the past few years, you've had people who are essentially cranks coming up and presenting papers on these matters. Uh, even if you laugh that off, there are other instances which are more and more insidious. For instance, uh, in IIT Kharagpur, a lot of the funding in the geology department has been diverted into discovering the river Saraswati, right? And to establish that this river Saraswati is essentially a river mentioned in the Vedas. Now, no one really knows whether this is a real river or whether... Uh, what river it is, there are certain theories that say that it's probably the Helmand in Afghanistan. Uh, since the old name of the Helmand in uh, old Avestan is, is a cognate of the Sanskrit Saraswati, one could say. So yeah, there, is, there are departments uh, like uh, uh, Pramod mentioned where funding is being direct, diverted towards mythical projects. There are other departments also where now they are being... Fu- diverted for the cow sciences this whole idea that this you know that you somehow need to uh, uh, find out products bovine products which have some mystical properties through science and yeah, basically mainly this haha but like i think this reveals what the problem is a f- complete societal misunderstanding of what science is so what these people are doing essentially is that they have these foregone cultural and ideological conclusions and then they want to sort of use science as a tool to sort of justify them. But th- that's not how science works. Science is a discipline of trying to understand reality. You don't have these foregone conclusions which you try to then back calculate your science in. Rather, 
you make hypothesis and your hypothesis needs to explain reality and then you test your hypothesis by experiments so the, yeah, the yeah. basically have turned the whole idea of science on its head and made them this very cynical instrumental thing and the thing which we have to keep mentioning again and again is that this is not a new thing or it's or it's not a bjp thing it has been there in india for a while it has been there in the previous yeah. administrations and it is a cultural thing as well so let's start with like the earlier thing like when i was a child there was this whole thing like vedic mathematics and the whole thing was right, a right, essentially right. it's, it's right, right, all right. in fact in fact in fact uh, this mathematician from tifr uh, sg dani you might look at you might uh, listeners might look him up sg dani his page on tifr in fact has a very good breakdown of this entire hoax of vedic mathematics it became a part of the uttar pradesh syllabus once and uh, he has a very good breakdown of why it's a hoax when it came about etc and you know our audience if you want to check it out and why this thing and it, it it's basically something that someone basically invented out of thin air and people just assumed that this is how you know this was a superior system of doing mathematics uh, mathematics by the mean uh, what i mean is arithmetic and this should be taught to school children right and this was some somehow part of our cultural heritage that this was very important to learn and basically it's nothing but a bag of tricks it's a bag of tricks to help you calculate stuff but uh, and it's not very conceptually enlightening it's not something that is basically very very important in mathematics and for instance you know it also ignores as as dani himself argues one of his um takedowns of uh, this vedic mathematics that you know these fixations on trying to establish that uh, superiority of indian culture etc also kind of tends to ignore the fact that in modern times for instance indian mathematicians have made uh, extremely extremely deep contributions to mathematics for instance um, while uh, you know most people know about srinivas ramanujan they may not know about harish chandra right so th- there have been entire schools in for instance in a, which have been situated in places like tifr we are we are situated in places like iisc where mathematics oh and the obviously the indian statistical institute where mathematicians have done groundbreaking work in fact srs srinivas avardhan is basically an nobel prize winner so we tend to ignore sometimes the contributions of our own scientists in favor of constructing a past a glorious past which... yes yes because that has what it has become right it has become a whole matter of pride rather than science so like one of the largest example of why this thinking leads to extremely like this is extremely pervasive devoid of party affinity and is a cultural problem is what i call the kalam problem so uh apj um, so the ex president right. of india and i am not critiquing the person here this has to be like because this is a matter of great emotional distress it might cause to our listeners but <laughs> the simple fact of the matter is that the gentleman was more of a bureaucrat than a scientist this has exactly. been pointed out by other commenters as well that look at his publication profile if you yes. want to know what a scientist produces you need to look at their publication profile and in kalam's case it becomes very evident that after a point he sort of transitioned from research to administration which is completely fine by the way that is what a lot of academics do in the university system or or when they transition out into other systems which is what kalam did but 
the way india remembers the person is this father of indian great rocketry great scientist yeah. etc he was yeah, yeah, he was yeah, an excellent bureaucrat he was not a great scientist yeah. everyone yeah. remembers him as the vendor von brown of india and uh, furthermore uh, i remember when i was a child there was this book called 100 great scientists of india and uh, there was kalam's <laughs> name on it and i was like yes uh, that that is Kalam was not even a scientist per se. I yeah, mean, like he, that's he not why. Like per se, he he was more more of an administrator. And 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 another to come back to the point about Vedic mathematics, for instance. Again, uh, in his work at. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, like in the Uttar Pradesh, when they were discussing Indian contributions to mathematics, they discovered they discussed a lot of uh, names from. ancient times etc but the only ma- modern mathematician who featured was srinivas ramanujan and uh, for instance names like harishchandra who i mentioned earlier yeah. shandashmukhatay manish prashad bn prashad anand rao vijay raghavan uh, ss pillai hans raj gupta kg ramanathan madhava rao vv narlikar pl bhatnagar etc etc they did not even find any mention except people yeah. who we a lot of these figures are not well known because the people have made a legend out of ramanujan's life uh, mm-hmm. a legend which ends with him dying an an early death yeah, essentially like let's say i mean srinivas ramanujan was a genius there's no question about it uh, but ramanujan being the only name on the list is actually a great disservice to the yes. indian mathematical community so harishchandra's work was actually foundational for people like langlands and uh, uh, a lot of modern mathematics harishchandra is uh, one of the tit- one of the titans of modern mathematics in fact and he could have easily been at the level to uh, uh, one of those people who could have won a fields medal and did not uh, you have yes, yes. so, so coming back to the yeah coming back yeah. to the idea of what is wrong with this culture the, there are two things which i see which are wrong with it one it's need for easy heroes to identify with and these heroes have need to have a certain bit of tragedy in their lives and essentially they make science about individual heroes where in as any as any scientist would tell you it's not really that's not how research works and secondly right. an utter misunderstanding of what science is wherein science is not something to get a series of things done before other people do science is a way to understand reality and that understanding and of reality a, yeah but there is another political point that i think we can talk about and that is this concern that this notion of indian science is becoming increasingly important you know as people start fixating and there is a certain authority that people are now associating with people in the sciences for instance or technology that uh, you know there there is obviously a cultural contempt for people in the social sciences for instance there is a cultural contempt for people in the humanities it is uh, projected that scientists and engineers are the people who make a difference and you know engineer and i mean social scientists humanities are just here to you know are basically the rabble rousers of academia uh, unfortunately uh, and this also gives people for instance uh, uh, and this kind of veneration of the that comes from your point the point that you were making to do that this i this great man theory of science for instance the great man theory of science now i mean like it's to take nothing away from people who have made revolutionary contributions to science there is no doubt for instance that 
Sir Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein or for instance uh, even if you're talking about uh, India's many of these figures they've made groundbreaking contributions revolutionary even contributions to Kalyanputi Rao in statistics for instance uh, have made revolutionary contributions to the study of the subjects however the fact is that you know when you start saying that these are the only people these are these are the only kind of academics whose work uh, stands for anything you also create and you also enable utter cranks who use their positions of authority like anand ranganathan is doing or you know to go back further from anand ranganathan there was basically subhash kak H.C. Verma, like if you read H.C. Verma's textbooks uh, on physics, for, which many people who try getting into the IITs do, um, because I remember like all my friends who actually took the engineering entrance exams, one of the books they read was H.C. Verma's book. Now, H.C. Verma's books are very interesting in a sense, because H.C. Verma's books, along with all these difficult problems that are basically geared towards cracking entrance exams, they were full of propaganda. For instance, they would say that the speed of light, so for instance, the speed of light, apparently it is contained in certain ancient Sanskritic texts. If you ask any historian of science, any person who knows, who is an honest person who basically studies science, Sanskrit, etc., they'd say this is complete bollocks. That uh, there is no way they could have known and these lines do not refer to the speed of light, for instance. But... Uh, these are the kind of things that you put there and for an impressionable uh, teenager who is basically reading these books and who is basically treating these uh, textbook writers as figures of authority who would know more about the subjects than they do, they might very well be inclined to just accept these things at face value. What, what is very interesting is that uh, when these, uh, like when you, when you look at the sort of work these people do, a, mm -hmm. they are really not, like, most of their work is fairly average, like, uh, knowing as a person who is deeply involved in the sciences. Um, also, like, some of the work is actually not bad, but it's very interesting the way they compartmentalize their uh, so-called rational, you know, facts and logics-based scientific training and their political attitudes. So, mm -hmm. so uh, like, of course, the, there is the large, larger, uh, more notorious examples that, you know, there, there are often like religious ceremonies before rocket launches, medical yeah, procedures, yeah. all sorts of ISRO does that. But it's not like ISRO gets flack for it because it's visible, but I would say it's fairly common in India, like these kind of things. You have people having literal havans and all before certain medical procedures and technological procedures, quite embarrassing actually. But uh, I mean, like a nuclear uh, reactor, someone inaugurates a nuclear reactor, there's a coconut bee. <laughs> there's a coconut, exactly, exactly. And you can sort of say that, you know, these things are cultural and India is a deeply religious country and I would buy that. But the problem is that these uh, sort of, uh, these actions are not, like these people, the thing they're doing, it's not limited to culture. There is an ideological program at play, which sort of actively pushes this, uh, you know, this uh, um, sort of uh, reification of this construct that India as it is has always existed. And that India has done sciences. And we have to understand that science in the same way we understand modern science, which by the way is completely wrong. The discipline 
now understand that science is a fairly modern discipline the way we think about science now yeah so you have these people saying for instance that uh, in 16th century 1450 14th to 16th century kerala they invented calculus before newton and leibniz did now the issue with this is yes they had now to give these people due credit uh, there were certain aspects of calculus that uh, you know what we consider to be modern calculus that these people had gotten to before leibniz or newton however they did not come up with a theory of calculus as we understand it today and saying that uh, you know the kerala school of mathematics should be attributed with the discovery of calculus that is completely bollocks because that's not how it worked in fact if you see the this entire thing of this kerala school of astronomy and mathematics they were uh, coming close to you know discovering certain concepts that are integral to calculus but are not exactly the entirety of it you also had archimedes having certain uh, discoveries that could be considered uh very very close to coming to calculus but these were we do not consider them to be calculus right and it's become this kind of rat race to prove that you know we in india we had these things here and all of western you know are and i and i get some of it which comes from this post colonial anxiety like i said but again even these mathematicians these philosophers etc who had existed during that time in uh, these periods in the pre modern period in south asia they probably did not even think of what they were doing in terms of what we understand modern science as for instance in mathematics uh, the notion of proof is extremely important in modern mathematics and it's basically a 19th century late 18th early 19th century thing to basically emphasize proofs so much to make mathematics rigorous that's why you have the development of set theory etc with cantor and dedicated etc but uh, this you know thinking that this is equivalent to modern mathematics or modern ways of doing mathematics is completely false and the fact is these false notions are propagated across um, to students who actually end up believing this and then there is circulated to the wider public who believe this and they have this idea that we are somehow being cheated out of a cultural heritage is it true that there have been certain contributions that south asians have made that have been completely undermined by uh, western scholars yes absolutely this is true however that does not mean that we got to things that were invented in the 19th 17th 18th 19th century in western europe that were completely attributable to us um, furthermore i think that uh, these things also have a certain uh, impact that goes beyond uh, for instance uh, just you know messing up your history or maybe you are creating a nationalist theory of science one of the biggest i think is biggest issues with this is actually in the realm of health policy and a big issue here is that um, for instance you've had this focus on alternative medicine for a while and this goes back to the this interest in alternative medicine goes back to the 60s i think By the, way, by the way, by the way, we should we we should really mention here. Alternative medicine is pretty much quackery. Uh, homeopathy is quackery. Just in case some audience needs to hear that, like just to make absolutely certain that people are on the page with this, India funds quackery at a national stage and has yeah. done so across governments. So just to keep that in mind. 
Yeah, and uh, what happens in 2003 is that this department gets renamed to Ayush. Now, what's even more galling is that the UPA government that comes right after makes Ayush a part of the National Rural Health Mission, right? And this is a public health project. And then you are seeing essentially what is quackery being integrated into a National Rural Health Mission, which is about public health in the, and access to public health care in rural India. Right, which is a which is a very very uh, big problem. I mean, rural health. Rural, if you actually look at statistics, there are big divergences in health, health outcomes in cities and in rural India. And suddenly, you have this project becoming an integral part of this. Uh, in 2014, after the NDA government, this the last NDA, previous NDA government, Narendra Modi comes to power, they make Ayush a separate ministry. And interestingly, there have been certain budgets which have seen cuts to the Department of Healthcare being, uh, you know, which have seen cuts to the health budget, but which have seen a rise in the Ayush budget, right? So you are actually now, uh, you know, cutting down on research in, into, into scientific medicine. I, I refuse to call it allopathy, by the way, because that's basically yeah, another... because, no, no, I just call it medicine. They are yeah, cutting yeah. research money from medicine and putting it into quackery at a national level. India is right. a country which had, at a governmental national level funds quackery. So that needs to be pretty I mean, clearly stated. This here. Ministry of Ayush, you could basically just call it the Ministry of Magic. I don't think. Yeah, they can any... call it the Ministry of Magic or like, you know, like what next? Is it going to be astrology? Because yeah. you know, Who knows? some of our Who knows? Uh, more, more woke uh, audience members are into that. And yeah. that too is so it has to be said that that is garbage <laughs> as well. Uh, <laughs> I think it went ironically, but anyway, uh, coming back. Uh, the I issue... hope that went ironic. I hope, so. like, let's oh, hope. Oh come on! Oh come on! Anyway, so uh, the thing is that I mean, uh, we are Indians. I I am not very you know as Indians like the things we have. Uh, I've actually spoken to a lot of people who then join this, you know, after this kind of education, etc., who join STEM disciplines, right? I remember right. talking to people from a, from very, very elite schools of science and technology, etc., right? And studying these subjects, like, and these people are supposed to understand these subjects, right? And they've basically been arguing things like, or, uh, you know, trying to justify homeopathy, right? And that, that, that's... If you take in a course, I mean, like, you don't have to take a university-level course in chemistry to know it, or a university-level course in physics to know it, school-level physics. If you know Avogadro's, what a mole is, what Avogadro's number is, you would be able, if you, and if you know how homeopaths go about, you know, diluting their things, you would know that there is no possible way in which the solutions could work because a lot of the solutions don't true, even contain true, true, one true. molecule would not even probabilistically contain one molecule of solute because they're all dissolved. The homeopathy is one of the one of the most egregious frauds being practiced in India and yeah, secondly, uh, with, with I think state I, support. And uh, then we have to like we have to like address Ayurveda here, right? Now, right. to be clear, there are certain things in Ayurveda that can be integrated into medicine, etc. But what is essentially being done is Ayurveda to these practitioners is being taught as a completely different system of medicine. Ayurveda and Unani, etc. Uh, Unani is basically what is uh, quote-unquote Islamic medicine. 
and that is basically a derivative of this uh, Greek uh, theory of humors, essentially, right? And they engage in blood practices such as bloodletting. Essentially, they are taking obsolete systems, um, yeah. which may have parts which are not obsolete, which are actually correct. But like you have to scientifically find out those parts and integrate them into medicine. Exactly. You can't exactly. have that as a separate because you you know what is being done with Chinese medicine in China, right? They actually do experiments and find out things that exactly, work. Exactly, exactly. I think someone won a won a Nobel Prize for an anti yes, yes, exactly, recently. So yeah, there, but, there is but a that was method and a discipline to it. Right? Yeah, it so integrated into scientific medicine, and these yes. things are happening completely out of any scientific paradigm. Right in the standards of modern science, etc. Or in that very cynical way where you make your ideological conclusions, like the cow thing, and then you push for experiments which are like right, useless right, experiments, right. Like so where this, you like another, find another, out another, for another, us that how is this cow useful? Exactly. So another another interesting debate that happened recently was regarding those studies done on the Rakigari uh, DNA sample, right? And people who really, I mean, like there were these molecular biologists. By which etc., were you know brandishing about the results, and this is another important issue here because you know, the communication of science is also very important to the public. And there have been gross misrepresentations in public discourse. Oh yeah, they lied. They basically lied. They were like misrepresentation they basically lied. is they, yeah misrepresentation is, is too light a word to use to what these ideologues did. They. Uh, like we request our audience to actually invest, like you know, read a bit about the Rocky Gary findings, etc. Et the whole thing has been misattributed and lied to a point. Interestingly, that it, one of the one of the paper, one of the authors of that paper was David Reich, and David right. Reich has categorically stated that there is there is a migration of uh, there is a migration from Central Asia which can be attributed to the spread of you know which is linked to the spread of Indo-European languages in South Asia. But you have all these cranks, I mean, like, who have completely lied about what the Rakigari DNA is. So the Rakigari DNA study basically... Oh, oh even all... with David Reich's statement, they have some reports out in their, uh, in their trash tabloids, which they call newspapers, uh, wherein uh, David Reich concedes and finally capitulates. Like, essentially, they took the person's words. Now, as a scientist, you know, of course, those words will be guarded and not... As uh, you know, like not like not not the way these people speak, and they basically took that to mean that the guy has conceded or something. It's hilarious. Like you should watch. No, there how was they... actually it was, it was actually someone. There was a belief that uh, okay, in a, to explain to our audience, there was a certain belief that uh, the, regarding the timing of so okay, so firstly the Rakigari DNA basically in a sense shows that a lot of most indians basically share a common ancestry that is common to uh, like you know we would share ancestry with the raki dna sample right now there was an assumption prior to this that this a certain group of people had migrated at a certain time right and what it shows what it basically shows is that uh, it confused and these this DNA sample rather is basically associated with Dravidian speakers, uh, yes. speakers of Dravidian languages. Yes. And what it essentially showed is that uh, these Indus Valley cultures might have migrated outwards and uh, uh, it might have like, you know, there was uh, this population may not have like, you know, there was this belt 
so there is something called the fertile crescent there is an assumption that people from the brought civilization and ag importantly agriculture right people brought agriculture from the fertile crescent into the indian subcontinent what these dna samples actually proved was that agriculture developed independently in the indian subcontinent and it was done by these people we assume and we don't have any proof of this we, um, we assume were speakers of certain uh, languages that are ancestral to the dravidian languages that we know today and i should assert that this is no and uh, because i know there are certain people who think so so i'll again reassert this no the indus valley civilization probably did not speak tamil moving on ha ha more like okay like that was the second jibe we made at our potential audience so sorry yeah. uh, guys um, yeah. yeah yeah now the second thing that i should point out is that this in no way disproves that there was migration from central asia associated with the indo european languages in fact that study has already done what it says is that these migrants came in after the rakigari after after the period in which whatever whatever sample was taken from rakigari those people had died okay yes. it basically says that these people came in much later and these people would have brought in the indo european languages with them and that is the running and this is the strongest hypothesis of this and this whatever these things, these are very much in line with what we've uh, you know what historians and archaeologists and archaeologists have said it is not a direct contradiction of any of these standard claims however however media, because there is this political nonsensical devotion to the idea that you know this whole idea of blood and soil etc that right the, so you the have Indian basically people are no the, yeah. the, the essential thing is to hindu nationalists it is very important to prove and this goes back to the thing that i mentioned earlier about you know iit kharagpur being directed to do research on the river saraswati and trying to find it within contiguous india today this is the fact that uh, for hindu nationalists it's a very very important to establish that what they consider vedic culture because uh, most hindu i mean almost all hindu nationalists attribute the vedas as the you know starting point of quote unquote hindu oh, by the way, which is hilarious because the vedas were not canon for a long time they were like these like there is interesting history about how they became right, canon right. there were these bardic poets who were like you know they would compose and and the compositions would alter because they were try like they, they, there were rivalrous interpretations on how to attract deities and all and it went on for a couple of centuries yeah. before so the bardic creation and there were some really really interesting verses in the vedas for instance there is actually a description of an ashramedha yoga and uh, the queen having to fornicate with the dead horse There, there is also there is also a there is also a verse which is basically calling out like devout people which is basically uh, dear indra could you please strike down with this thunderbolt this uh, pandit who will not shut up and he is like screaming prayers in the morning will not <laughs> literally the 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 shlok is he will not stop braying like a donkey so please struck him down with the thunderbolt Uh, yeah. the vedas are, are nice in that way you know and like yeah. in a previous episode on uh, hinduism gentoo society uh, we had like uh, comrade vela and all they were like no we don't want like because caste and all right but like i find the vedas quite funny in that sense because they they also have like elements which 
we can use from our like uh, you know very progressive sort of kind of hilarious i mean like if yeah. you did like there is context, the, there is a the part of the veda the the uh, there is this uh, sukta which is basically saying that uh, you know nobody knows who created creation and if there is a god probably he does not know as well uh, which is the <laughs> uh, like the most uh, like perhaps the most direct uh, uh you know statement of nastikavad you can see in the veda so uh like uh, they like do remember that these were bardic hymns composed by random people like different bardists and it took a while for them to become this religious canon you know one person did not create them and of course yeah, they did not rise out from the thigh of the deity or whatever because of course if yeah, you no, believe no, that absolutely. why are you listening to us we are a facts and logic based podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. so go, go, go uh, listen to a religion bhajan by go listen to some bhajans yeah, yes. <laughs> but like you know do read the vedas there are good translations there and some of it is fairly hilarious and you will get an idea of this very interesting pastoral culture which lived at that time and you know there yeah, are descriptions and in fact it's a very it's a description for nomadic pastoral culture yeah. and it's a and they were like going around drinking soma and like uh, making these sacrifices of cattle and all and the point is that no matter how they got formed and all their culture is very different from the culture you recognize yeah. in india and indian and hindu a, which is a colonial uh, sort of construct indian as well as hindu these are both nothing to do with like you know things which happened millennia yeah, back no, no. so so coming back to the point it's very important but you know hindu nationalists are essentially morons and uh, these morons uh, you know they cannot conceive of a cosmopolitan cul- culture a mixing of cultures etc they have to think of a uniform culture and they have to trace it back to the vedas now the vedas talk about this river saraswati they have to find the river saraswati and it doesn't matter to, to them like if the river saraswati is probably in afghanistan they will not believe that so no it does not and and interestingly it has to be in contiguous india today which is even more yeah. interesting yeah like uh, they, they I, yeah i mean like there's also this arms race to prove that with you know there's also this arms race going on archaeological arms race going on between pakistan and india There oh, yeah, two wonderful countries which both want to like the we were the real ones so but it's very important for them to identify the indus valley civilization because if you cling to uh, you know your hindu identity to the vedas mm. and you also claim the indus valley civilization you know you also have to identify the two because you have to identify the firstly you are identifying uh, the indus valley civilization as a source of your culture and uh, source of your people now you also have to identify this uh, a, you know this vedic culture with that and in that respect what they've done is they completely misrepresented all sorts of scientific research they have basically co- called historians archaeologists archaeolinguists etc liars and i'm not kidding about this they've basically dis- entirely dismissed these subjects and the research that has gone into these subjects by hundreds of academics and we have been fair and honest and you've done their work in an honest way uh, so what we are telling you people is to please do a bit of research into what the scientific method is please understand yeah, and, that and, science and, and, like, encompasses like, a lot of things including like things you may call the softer sciences no like linguistics is pretty much a linguistics is a science like uh, you, you there is a method behind that it's not a 
race to prove who did what first and what what is whose achievement and whose genetics came from what land and you know things like that those are shoddy political ideological projects some of it is pure canker crankery uh, like as I, we have said the india as a nation promotes crankery at a national level through the ministry of ayush so uh, just try to read more about science and the history of science and all of these varied sources don't uh, sort of make these emotive knee jerky nationalist appeals when it comes to science do understand that a lot of what is understood by the modern conceptions of india hinduism etc etc the culture etc etc they are fairly modern concepts and, and and when you do that you sort of erase the very important contribution indians have made in the science in the past and you forget all these other names and you have made these gigantic heroes out of like five six characters who keep circulating through your childhood books and memories so that is i think all mm-hmm. yeah and then like yeah one another thing that i have to point out is that uh, it's a very very dangerous thing like especially with the current dispensation particularly with the current dispensation to just you know take people in the authority of the words like if an isro chair basically says that uh you know the chandrayaan mission one chandrayaan one mission was based on aryabhatta and not newton or einstein you should take that with a grain of salt uh yeah. when people in the indian science congress basically and i'm not talking about completely ludicrous things like uh pushpak vimanas or nuclear weapons in the with the brahmastra was the was a nuclear weapon etc these are completely preposterous i assuming our listeners won't believe that but there are also more you know insidious ways of suggesting this right? people like subhash kak etc do and they they justify their crankery with the fact that they also have legitimate output it's not like they're completely uh, you know they don't have anything legitimate going on for them i mean like hc verma for instance in iit kanpur he also has legitimate output these people use their legitimate output and the authority that they st- uh, gain from this legitimate output to justify their uh cranked right so um it is important for you to basically recognize that because sometimes you know with the barrage of information that comes in from the media and let's face it science journalism has been something that's been done poorly in india for years but especially now it's going to become even worse and you are going to have to exercise your better judgment so yes i mean I, you can't depend on like science journalism in india it's pretty shit so a uh, request to our audience members is to learn a bit of science like it's not hard like reopen no, a no, class it's absolutely time. not I, it's, reopen it's, your physics book uh, read a bit like it's you know science is nice it's good to know how people have understood reality it's uh, it's a discipline on itself and once you get a scientific brain, bent of brain it will help you in other things as well so uh from your friendly facts and logics podcast this is our appeal to you that do do learn how to how science works and do yeah. learn a bit and, of and 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 i can say and if you if any of you are interested in uh comments i mean like if you if any of you want a reading list on this etc uh contact us reach reach out to us we are on we Twitter, will we will are... uh, for this month's uh a reading list on the patreon we would definitely release a reading list uh, on 
all the things you have mentioned in today's episode and yeah, if you are not patrons we would definitely like to because this is one thing which we hold dear to us so uh, give us some money yeah. if you can spare but it it's not necessary we will give you that list anyway so if you are not subscribed on patreon reach out to us we are on uh, soundcloud we are on and we are twitter. on twitter you can reach us reach out yeah. to us at various yeah. places we'll at, 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 at analysis at uh, at analysis pod so on yes. that note so on that note goodbye yeah good night or good morning or whatever morning wherever you are